so we're talking today about this thing called hope. Hope is coming. I don't know if you saw that on the title slide just there. But um, hope is a futuristic thing, isn't it? And today in baptism, uh, Sophie did something remarkably unremarkable, but unremarkably remarkable. In that she did something really unremarkable. She did something probably she's done a thousand times before, which was to have a bath. (laughs) And yet this time when she did that, she was saying something that that meant that was truly remarkable. And there was two elements to it. She went down into the water. And uh, there was a a famous preacher called Charles Spurgeon. And he wrote thousands of books, preached thousands of sermons. He knew an awful lot about God and theology. And he said, if I could condense it all into four words, it would be these words. He said, Jesus died for me. And when somebody goes into the water of baptism, they're saying, personally, Jesus died for me. I wonder if you've said those words today and made it personal for you, because you can. I wonder if you need to get baptized to to make that clear and to have that symbol. But when somebody comes up out of the water of baptism, it's also saying something remarkable. It's saying this, that just as Jesus was raised from death, physically, bodily, and people saw him alive again, so the person who gets baptized and comes out of the water is saying that one day... Jesus will raise me from death in my body and he'll give me a resurrected, glorified body and I will be together with him forever and with all the people who love him and I'll be united with him forever. It's an amazing, amazing statement that Sophie made today and every Christian believes. I wonder if you've made that statement. So here's something that Matthew's Gospel says about Jesus as we talk about hope this morning and unpack what it means. It says this. It was a prediction about Jesus from Isaiah. It says, In his name, the nations will put their hope. In the name of Jesus, the nations, the peoples of the world, will put their hope. Isn't it wonderful to know at the moment that there's, uh, you know, amongst everything negative in the world, there's a global pandemic, there's a global recession, there's something globally good that is happening, that there's a family of hope that Jesus began, that everybody can be part of, no matter where they're from or what their background. And today, Jesus invites us into that family. Now, uh, hope isn't a foreign word to our times. In fact, we're talking quite hopefully at the moment about a number of things. I mean, you, you might remember at the beginning of 2020, this guy... Um, yeah, I mean, sound the sort of the death tune, you know, do, 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 Yeah, because COVID-19, it, it, it threw its shadow over the human race. But then what happened last Tuesday? That's right. See, see the, the vaccine was announced. And with it, you know, the, the, the tabloids went wild saying, It's over. The scientists have done it. Now, all the scientists said, well, hang on, not so fast. It's going to take a while, and it might not be everything. But here's the thing. Hope arrived. And you know when hope arrives, something begins to skip a beat faster in our heart. Something begins to happen where we begin to think life might change for the better. And perhaps you want next year to change for the better from this year. Maybe this year has been a difficult year for you for all sorts of reasons. Well, there's hope coming. 
There's hope coming in the form of that vaccine in some kind of way. Ten years ago, there was a mining disaster in Chile. And it was actually largely unreported globally for a, for a, a little while, for about 20 days, because sadly these people got trapped underground, nobody quite knew where they were, and they didn't have any great way of finding them. And so they just began drilling exploratory holes here, there, and everywhere in the hope that they might find something. 21 days later, they still hadn't found anything. But then, at the end of a shift, when they pulled the drill out of the ground, they saw a bit of rubbish tied to the end of the drill, and they thought, what is that? And they, they took it, and it was a note that said, we're here and we're alive. The 33, there was 33 men trapped under the ground. Do you know, at that moment... Every news outlet in the world descended on that little village and they broadcast non-stop for the next few weeks about the rescue of these miners, which happened amazingly. You see, when all we have is a, a death story, when all we have is the story of fatalism and things will be how they are, then that doesn't allow hope to come. But when a possibility of change comes... Hope begins to fill our hearts and our minds. Now, let's just suppose for a moment it's not all about this life. Let's just suppose for a moment it's not all about how next year is going to be different to this year. Let's suppose it's not all about being trapped from an underground cave. Let's suppose for a moment that there was a real possibility for you and I to be united with God in friendship forever, something that we've never known before. Let's suppose that the real hope of the human race that came on that first Christmas was this, that people who had walked away from God, that people who lived in darkness, could actually find him, or he could find them and bring them into his family. Well, that first Christmas, you find exactly that happened, because angels came to shepherds on the hillsides, and the, the shepherds, but they weren't the people who went to church, do you know what I mean? And yet the angels came to him and said, I've got some great news for you. <laughs> Tidings of great joy for you and all humankind. And they ran because it stimulated hope in their hearts. They ran to find a baby called Jesus in Bethlehem because they knew this was a game changer for the human race and for them. There were some astrologers, some magi, some wise men from a different place, and they saw a star appear in the sky. God spoke to them in the language that they could understand. Isn't that beautiful? Even though they didn't know him. And they said, we think this star means that a king has been born who we must go and worship. And so they traveled for a long time to come and find this infant Jesus so they could worship him, propelled by hope. J.I. Packer said, The Christmas message is that there is a hope for ruined humanity, hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus became poor and was born in a stable, so that 30 years later, he might hang on a cross. That's why this matters. That's why the Christmas story matters, because it says this baby means something entirely different, that he's going to pay a sacrifice for sin and bring humanity back into relationship with God. So I want to ask the question today, what is it about this hope that, that actually propels us and helps us right now in this season, this season that you're in, that I'm in, that we're in, together? And 
I want to say three things that hope helps us in our vulnerability. It helps us through adversity and it helps us through seasons of uncertainty. So let's look at each of these in turn just briefly. See, hope is birthed in vulnerability. It's birthed in our vulnerability. And we know that because Jesus became like us. It's called the incarnation. He became one of us. I don't know if you remember the the film Terminator 2 with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's It's a classic. No doubt it'll be on this Christmas. But in that film, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's the savior of the world. Yet here's the thing about him. He's a machine and he appears to the human race fully formed behind a bush naked. And all he needs to get going is some clothes and a motorbike. And you think, well, If God was to come and save the world, surely it would be something like that. But the reality is he came in weakness, in vulnerability. He came as a baby lying in straw in a manger. He came through the dangers of pregnancy and birth. He knew what it was to breastfeed and be dependent on others in total weakness and dependency. He knew what it was like to grow up as a child. He knew what it was like to be a teenager. He knew what it was like to make friends and have friends drop him. He knew what it was to have family pressures. I don't know if you're facing family pressures this Christmas. Jesus faced it. He knew it. He knew what it was like to be you. He knew what it was like to be me. He knew what it was like to be human. He walked where I walked. He stood where I stood. He slept like I sleep. He felt what I feel. Now, how does that help us? How does that bring hope to us? Because let me ask you this question. Who are the people that you genuinely find the most helpful in life? Who are the people that you can pour out your heart to? Who are the people that you can tell everything to? Who are the people who feel like they don't just judge you, even though they're not afraid to tell you when you're wrong? And, and it's, the answer to that question is it's usually a friend. It's usually somebody who gets you, for want of a better phrase. It's somebody who listens to you and doesn't just say, well, that's absurd what you're thinking. Of course it's wrong. They put an arm around you and they say, yeah, I, I can see why you feel it. Well, because God became flesh... He knows exactly what we're feeling. And he gets us. He gets us. He gets what it's like to feel what you feel. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, Jesus is referred to as, as the high priest. We won't get into that right now. But it says, because for, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weakness. See, If he was just some distant saviour, we'd have a struggle believing actually he could really connect with us. But do you know what? When we're at our weakest, when we're failing at our worst, that's the bit when we feel his love the most. That's when we feel the one who can sympathise. And he says, I love you still. That hope finds its home in my vulnerability. And it means it's real in the deepest of disappointments, the darkest of thoughts, and the most horrific of tragedies. 
even this year, if you feel like you've done rather less well in this pandemic than you thought of might, you might have done in terms of how you coped with it. He couldn't be closer to you and he couldn't understand you more than he does right now. His heart is towards you. So hope helps us because he gets us, okay? Here's the second thing, though. Hope gives me strength during seasons of adversity. So hope finds itself tested just as Jesus was. And at the earliest point in his life, Jesus found himself subject to persecution. Uh, An edict went out to kill all baby boys under the age of two when Jesus was born. And so he and his family had to flee as refugees to Egypt. He knew what it was to face persecution. He knew what it was to, to face people doubting him and not believing in him. He faced betrayal and suffering and that very human thing called death. Hope is no stranger to adversity. Hope doesn't mean that things are going right, really well for you right now any more than they went really well for Jesus during his life. If you follow Jesus, you will have trouble. I'm so glad that uh, Mark Hind has agreed to come and talk to us on the 27th of December. I know we don't normally have a service that day, but it's going to be really good as we, uh, the, the day after Christmas Day, historically in the church, traditionally it's called St. Stephen's Day. And it's when, after the wonder of the incarnation, the very first thing those earlier Christians wanted to do was to remember those who suffered around the world for their faith. And Mark's going to be talking all about that on the 27th of December. That's going to be really excellent. But the attacks that we feel, the adversity we feel, it's not always because um, it's not always because we've said something about Jesus and somebody didn't like it. It's this that we have an enemy called uh, Satan. He's the adversary, and, and he finds all sorts of ways to discourage us and put pressure on because he's he's there to, to oppose anything to do with the work of God in your life. So the question is, how does hope help us? in the now when we find things really, really difficult. Well, there's a promise in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It says this, Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Isn't that amazing? Hope does not put us to shame, does not disappoint us in some translations because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit now, right now. So when we think about hope, we can be futuristically minded about it, which is correct because it is a future thing, but it's not simply, simply pie in the sky when you die. It's the reality that that somehow works its way into our life right now. And it works its way into our life right now by the indwelling presence of God through the person of the Holy Spirit, filling us with the love of God experientially right now. And it's amazing because we need more than just grin and bear it. We need more than to just hope for something to be better in the future. We need a down payment of that now so we know it is. And we know by the Holy Spirit filling us. Um, my son Ben, when he started uh, school in P1, I had to make him a packed lunch every day. And uh, there was one day I forgot. I forgot to give him his lunch. Poor little guy. He was just five. And, and uh, anyway, he, he, uh, he, came, he came home and, uh, and, and it was sit- the, the lunch was sitting on the kitchen countertop. And, and he said, oh, Dad, you, you, you forgot my lunch today. 
And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, Ben. Oh, I, I said, I, I bet you were really hungry, weren't you? And, uh, and, and, he, and he just smiled and he shrugged his shoulders. He says, no, he said, because it was okay, Dad, because I, I found an old sandwich at the bottom of my bag. <laughs> and, uh, and initially I thought, well, that's great. That's ingenuity. And then I thought, how, how long has that sandwich even been there? I, I, I mean, nobody remembered ever there being another sandwich in the bag. But here was the thing. See, when you're hungry, it's no good to say, well, there's a lunch on on the countertop at home. You need something right now. And he he used his his ingenuity to, to find that sandwich. Here's the thing about the Holy Spirit. He's not some manky, moldy old sandwich. He's the very presence of God. He's the very down payment of what is to come in your life right now so that no matter what adversity comes he gives you the food that you need Christ in you the hope of glory it's amazing we've been singing about it today really amazing I just I haven't quite finished yet but I just love us to pray I just love us to pray that we'd know more of the Holy Spirit in in your life and mine that we might know more of this down payment Uh, Holy Spirit would you just come and help us and come and fill us right now oh Lord no matter what challenge different ones are facing watching this i i want to pray that we'd be more overwhelmed by the presence of god and the power of the spirit and your love filling our hearts than any other challenge that we face right now come lord you're so good to us thank you for future hope in our hearts right now amen he fills us with god's love so good last point hope helps us feel certainty in the midst of uncertainty. When the New Testament writers wrote about hope, they always wrote about it as if it was something totally certain. And in the Christmas story, you find characters. We've talked about shepherds and the major, but there's these couple of elderly people who turn up in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. One of them is called Anna, and another's uh, called Simeon. And Anna, she's been a widow for decades. She's very, very elderly and frail. But she's got a love for God and she is is understanding what's happening. And, And she sees Jesus come into the temple and she just starts rejoicing and telling everybody about him. There's another guy called Simeon. And he's got a promise from God he's been living with all his life that that he won't die until he sees the consolation of Israel, the comfort of God's people. God's people have been going through a very, very difficult few hundred years, and he's got a promise saying, I know that I won't die until I see the hope, the promise fulfilled. And he makes this remarkable reaction. When Jesus comes into the temple, and he sees Mary and Joseph, and he sees the baby Jesus, he says, now, Lord... Let your servant depart in peace. He said, that's it. Isn't that interesting? See, Jesus hadn't even done anything at that point. He hadn't done a miracle. He hadn't, uh, he hadn't died on a cross for our sins. He hadn't been raised from the dead. He was not now seated at the right hand of the Father in glory like he is now. But Simeon, in faith, looked at him and he said, I know it's going to happen. <laughs> Because I've seen it. And it says he took the baby Jesus in his arms. He embraced him. He embraced hope. 
That's what he was doing. Because he knew when he embraced the baby Jesus, he embraced the Savior of the world, the one who would die, the one who would rise again, and the one who would be lifted on high forever. It quelled the uncertainty of his times to embrace the baby Jesus. Today, I want to invite you to embrace Jesus into your life, to embrace hope. Don't look elsewhere. Look to Jesus. No matter what 2021 holds, here's a hope that will never, ever diminish. It's Jesus. And it says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. There's something pulling you forwards, not into 2021, not into 22, but into eternity. The Bible says that God set eternity in the hearts of people. And today there's this thing called hope that pulls you forward towards this thing of being together forever with Jesus. Let that fill your minds this morning. And it could be today that you're watching this and you're thinking, I I haven't experienced this. I haven't received this into my life. I haven't embraced Jesus like like Simeon did. And today you can. You can receive him into your life. And uh, it, it could be you just need to know a bit more. If you email hello at kingschurchedinburgh.org, we'll be glad to send you a book or something in the post to really help you with that or meet up with you. But it could be today you want to start that journey just by welcoming Jesus into your life.